0: today's episode we have a wonderful discussion lined up for you all today Uh, we will discuss humans ai and the singularity so stay tuned for a great conversation now the initial idea for this podcast can be self-fed into chat gpt however the exploration key topics has to be generated from chat ai and the last two discussion questions at least two discussion questions have to be generated through the chat ai gpt program Uh, We can go off topic on interesting conversation points that are not generated through chat GPT. Um, So without further ado, let's get started.
1: Okay, so we are going to be primarily discussing at what point will knowledge of computers by uh, free human beings become redundant because of AI, uh, which would then basically self feed and then lead to the computers learning how to uh, use themselves. And uh, have we reached the singularity yet? Now, it is difficult to predict exactly when knowledge of computers will become redundant because of uh, artificial intelligence, as it depends on the rate of progress in the field and the specific tasks that AI is being used for. However, it is likely that certain aspects of computer science, such as programming and low-level system design, will continue to be important even as AI becomes more advanced. Now, even when it comes to programming, already GPTs are uh, capable of generating code. Now, these, from what I understand, speaking to programmers, this code is not perfect, but at the same time, it provides them a scaffolding with which they could then uh, edit this code and then make it functional. And with regard to the concept of the singularity, let's first define what that is. So the singularity refers to the point at which artificial intelligence surpasses human intelligence and begins to rapidly improve itself. And it becomes a self feeding mechanism where the exponential increase in intelligence from the artificial intelligence means that there w- at a certain point we would be, uh, in the same way that a chimpanzee and a human have a clear logarithmic subjective difference in intelligence where there is not even a point where we could uh, compare a chimpa- even the most intelligent chimpanzee to uh, the most um, unintelligent human, we would be reaching the same point where AI would, through its exponential increase in uh, computing power and in uh, growth through neural networks, etc., it would be so much uh, but e- more able to surpass our intelligence.
0: Well, I think that's something that when it comes to the chat AI program, you have to be very careful about because even though a lot of this information is available, you know, as a programmer, you can search for different codes. They're not, not only are they not perfect, they're also not vetted. There's a lot of misinformation that could be included, and so... When you're looking at any information generated by Chat AI or Chat GPT, you have to look at the information as a human and make sure that it's complete and accurate. You know, even if the code is functional and works, there might be uh, times where the code includes malicious content. There's been a lot of, uh, I guess, data points that have come out over the last week or so about the security concerns when it comes to Chat AI. You know, the information is available for users to just simply search and look up and people have been stepping away from Googling to simply asking Chat AI for the answers to certain questions.
1: Yeah, and there is a particular danger over here. For example, on the 23rd of March uh, 2016, Microsoft released a Twitter AI chatbot called Tay, and very quickly this chat box was, chatbot was radicalized and became a Nazi, and uh, because the data set which it was being fed through Twitter ended up being a lot of leading it down the rabbit hole of a lot of Nazi propaganda, and we do need to be careful over here because it is uh, only a matter of time before uh, other data sets you know get uh, modified by, due to political persuasions on the internet which may not actually reflect reality.
0: I think that's also you know you mentioned a point regarding the chat AI you know coming over or taking over you know the human aspect of a lot of a lot of different things keep in mind all of the chat AI information is human generated and human fed so even though the information, might come from a larger dataset. If the humans aren't continuously updating or creating that data set, it makes it very difficult for the robot to continue to provide accurate answers.
1: Yes, but you see that is the case right now, but what's gonna happen in the future and is, uh and some are postulating is inevitable is that AI is general machine learning is currently taking a data set and then generating a new data set, which is coming out of it. And then there's going to be a self improvement mechanism where the AI wouldn't take that data set and then use that to create and generate the next data set. And then that exponential uh, cycle will continue to wield itself until the AI is reaching the point where it is using a data set and, and, and would no longer be anywhere close to the original data set and would not be something which humans are even able or capable of understanding.
0: Well that right there proves the point of how chat ai might not necessarily be beneficial in the long run if you use it to create its own j- data set. You know the data set is really needs to be accurate in order for people to have benefit from it. If you're not m- ensuring the accuracy of the data set and ensuring all the information provided to the AI algorithm is correct, then the algorithm is going to provide incorrect information.
1: But then that leads to how do you define accurate? Because right now we are living in a very polarized world where we, even the very idea of science is being disputed and there are two uh, truths essentially which are imagined in the world and people subscribe to one persuasion or the other and there is less and less um, Uh, center ground uh, discussion and in this world of polarization we are essentially going to be leading us down the road but we're going to be leading having two societies one which is right and one which is left and then AI would not really would either be feeding off the right or left wing uh, persuasion and would not really be dealing with the middle
0: well, that I guess you can say that that's how the singularity would be, you know, come into phase. You know, when the AI super uh, surpasses all of the data that we can provide it, at that point, you know, maybe the AI is able to continue to generate, you know, more complex questions. But I wouldn't necessarily go as far to say that the AI is going to, you know, create its own data set. I would just simply say that it's able to improve on the information already provided. You know, As long as you're feeding it accurate information and you correct it enough times in a certain way. For example, let's just take you know a basic math question. You feed it initially one plus one equals two, one plus two equals three, uh, one plus three equals four. Then the AI is able to understand that when you add a number to one, it's going to add uh, an extra Uh, A a number in the in the conclusion. Um, But if you don't feed it further information on 23 plus five, it might not realize that that's going to be 27 unless you feed it more data that's relevant to that type of addition.
1: So essentially what you're saying is that the AI is going to be uh, able to expand upon one idea or maybe multiple ideas in one area, but at the same time, it's not going to have the all-encompassing uh, generalized view that most humans are capable of.
0: That's right. So as long as we're able to focus on the AI on specific areas, it might be able to improve itself in the long run, but the totality of you know human consumption might not necessarily be included. For example, a lot of human ideas and understanding points are come about because of physical interaction with something you know you're only able to learn so much from going to school if you don't go to work in the actual trade you're not going to understand the you know specific points that are factored in when you work with something you know example you know you don't Necessarily know how wood interacts with you know a chisel until you actually take that chisel and move it. You might understand the concept that the chisel removes wood if you angle it a certain way, but you're not going to get the perfection feeling of how do I you know make sure that the wood is you know completely removed in this way.
1: So you say, but in the way that the metaverse is currently being built, who's to say that in uh, a short period of time? When I say short, I mean decades from now, which is eons in the ter- in terms of computer engineering. We are going to be having Physical worlds, which which are being built inside a computer engine based on the mechanics of uh, the current world, whereby the AI would understand what you are saying due to some kind of mirrored reflection of current physics. I mean, that is exactly where we come into this issue with singularity. In fact, there are some arguments which could even be made as to uh, the idea that we have already reached a singularity. And it is worth noting that while we say that while we do. work of this premise, the concept of singularity is still a topic of debate among experts in the field, and there is no consensus as to when it will occur or if it will even occur. Some people argue that we have already reached a singularity for the following reasons. Advancements in machine learning and neural networks have led to the development of ai systems that can perform tasks that were previously thought to require human intelligence such as image recognition and natural language processing such as people could speak to an ai and it would pass multiple times uh, the turing test and could be very convincing and would behave and function as a human but w- even though the fact it the fact is it probably is not actually intelligent it is just working off the way that we uh, process language
0: and what words is most likely to follow one uh,
1: word after the other
0: I mean when it comes to that process, you know that's really how the human language algorithm of chat ai is able to be successful. However, the data set and the knowledge that it, that it that it has already gathered is only able to be generated from what we've given it initially. So even when we follow up with asking it questions and trying to generate more content from chat ai It's not necessarily taking those data points and feeding it back in. And even if it was taking those data points that we fed it, you know, who's to say that the information we give it is accurate as well? You know, there's only really a certain level of accuracy that can be, I would say, determined. And that's only by the creators, the creators of the platform and the and the data set have to be the ones who are m- constantly monitoring and ensuring that the information that they've given it is correct.
1: Well, one could argue that the quirkiness of the inaccuracies is also what makes us human. fact is, we never get, we do not get things right completely. Our language is incomplete. Our, uh, our ideas aren't perfect. And it's that quirkiness and that uh, kind of incompleteness is which kind of makes something, you know, again, it, 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 it's, what, it it's where character and personality come in. And... You could even argue today we are already, to some extent, cyborgs. Uh, Everyone has a phone at the extension of their hands. Who remembers maps anymore? Everything is automatically Googled. We are subconsciously reliant on our phones and uh, our computers to store information already. So in a way, we've already become somewhat
0: uh, in in the extension of the eye. We, we never will reach the singularity that you're discussing because if we have to constantly be monitoring and updating the algorithm and ensuring that the accuracy of the items is correct, then we're never going to reach a point where the algorithm is going to create content that we wouldn't have otherwise been able to generate ourselves. You know, if we have a point, let's just say the algorithm is 85% accurate, if we never, uh, if, if you're comparing that to humans and saying that humans are also 85% accurate, then the algorithm is only going to be as comparable to humans as possible. It's not going to surpass us in that case because if the algorithm's at any point generating incorrect information, that incorrect information will then feed into its next data set of being incorrect and can exponentially increase the inaccuracies that it generates.
1: Yeah. and. That That is true, and even the increasing interconnectedness of the world through the internet and other communication networks allow for the rapid sharing and development of AI systems, leading to an exponential increase in the capabilities of AI. So while it cannot generate new ideas right now, and even that is arguable because you see some of the music which is generated by AI is actually, uh, in effect, you know, as good as real music, which
0: is generated by humans. Uh, where is the limit, really? I mean, music is something that you can create because it's really a a combination of sounds. And uh, as long as you've given it patterns of sounds to follow, it can regenerate those sounds in different formats and enc- encompass them together. But I think that would be, music in this case would be different though than giving it information. You know, when you ask the AI about a certain topic, you know, it has to be able to provide you accurate content that, uh, that you would have otherwise not been able to find on your own. Um, but if the AI simply just goes to Wikipedia and Google's the answer for you, then it's really not helping you in that case. It's just giving you an easy search engine um, to provide the data, the data output for. Yeah, but at what point does it become alive in itself? When companies like Microsoft start incorporating it into your computer, that's been the latest thing this last week or two. Um, Chat AI or Open AI, the parent company of Chat GPT, has actually been. Uh, in a in exclusive partnership with Microsoft Azure to only host their uh, company on Azure servers, and that conversation has recently extended into incorporating uh, Chat AI as into different microsoft environments such as windows which you know a good i would say 85-75% of the market share is using right now on a day-to-day basis so if chat ai is incorporated in your windows if it's your default search engine now instead of bing.com or in let's say you go to bing.com and the and you ask it a question it generates that question through a chat gpt then that information is going to go through microsoft servers so that's been the latest development regarding the chat ai platform However, that information still has to be monitored. And who's to say that Microsoft is not going to be liable for any information that's generated because it's not only hosted on their systems, but if they incorporate it into their platform, you know a lot of people are going to be relying on it and get very upset at Microsoft for generating incorrect information like that.
1: That is true, but even beyond the uh, chat AI, there are many other uh, artificial intelligence units which are making their way into other industries. For example, in healthcare, uh, there are many multiple AIs which are being used to uh, look through MRI scans and the like and to detect things which uh, b- because which radiologists simply cannot find because even the most experienced radiologists would see, let's say, five, ten thousand MRIs in their lifetime. But they, uh, the AI-generated uh, algorithms are able to look through hundreds of thousands of, uh, of radiology scans and able to understand and come up with a better data set. And this is something which is being employed in the healthcare industry, in finance, there are AI trade. AI is being used to uh, predict what calls on the stock market, and these these things are going to have an untold, significant impact on society and the economy. Uh, further blurring the lines between human and machine intelligence. I mean, the, we are calling this the fourth industrial revolution for a reason.
0: I mean, when it comes to the incorporation of algorithms and data sets in everyday life, such as in the medical field. This is something we've been doing for decades, literally. You go back 20 years, they were already looking at, you know, that's exactly what journals are. When, when there's research and development that's being done, they look at large data sets and they specify um, the amount of people included and that's really what they focus their uh, journal on. However, something to keep in mind, when it comes to any uh, data set that involves statistics, there's going to be a maximum statistical uh, number that you can reach from your data set for i'm just coming up with this number on the fly but let's say you have a 1 billion um, data sets that you originally have you can actually take a sample size of that data set instead of going through the entire data set and that will have a statistical accuracy of you know in the high 99th percentile uh, when it comes to the output so even though the ai may be able to go through all billion of these images, let's say, for your health environment, it's not necessarily needed to make an extremely accurate prediction of the results. You just have to look through a small, teeny fraction percentage of the generated output. So if you have a healthcare worker who's gone through, let's say, 10,000 MRIs, that might actually be statistically enough to get a ninety nine point nine percent accuracy of the output that you need.
1: It is enough for common uh, conditions, but at the same time, what the millions of uh, samples actually give and as an advantage over the uh, artificial inte- over the human is that it's able to screen for more unknown conditions much more easily because it will remember the five samples where this very rare and unique condition came up which would not have been the case when it comes to a human radiologist who may have read 20 years ago in a journal somewhere about this one unique case, which is fascinating, but at the same time, they're going to read about it, and at best they're going to remember it for the next year or two, but at the same time, uh, it is not the same as the ability of, of a human. But why will we never reach the singularity?
0: When it comes to the generation of the OpenAI project, the reason you know I would say that we would never reach the singularity is simply due to the human emotions and factors that are going to be involved in a lot of these decisions and questions. you know, Even if you were to create a perfect um, AI platform where the information it predicts are, or outputs, I would say, is 100% accurate, the human emotions involved in any decision-making or question are going to be extremely important in not even all cases, but even a small percentage of cases. So... If the AI is able to generate, you know, extremely important answers for seventy-five percent of your scenarios, the human emotions that are going to be factored in are actually what would have made the decision if you would have done it yourself. You know, if you—it's the classic, you know, question of if you're on a train track and the train's heading towards a fork. There's the, one person the on one side and five problem. people on the other side then which side would you go for the ai is able to make a statistically accurate prediction and say well just based on numbers you should go for the one person but it's not going to have it's not going to factor in the emotions involved when making that decision so you're
1: essentially saying it is emotions which make us human but at the same time if that's the case then how are we distinct from other animals which are also capable of
0: experiencing emotion because the other animals that even though they have the emotion they're one track minded you know Take, for example, uh, a cow or a, a deer. When that deer is born, the deer is ready to go immediately. As soon as it's born, it's able to it's run like, and play and you know have fun. Except the deer's one specific purpose in life is to be a deer. You, you are
1: it, you are correct, but you're incorrect. Because what effectively happens is humans are unique in that we have the, our fourth trimester take place outside the womb with other animals the gestation happens in a way that is much uh, longer but because of the way that the human head is shaped uh, it simply cannot develop past a certain point in which it is uh, able to exist inside the womb so we have evolved to the point where we could uh, be born and then continue on with our last trimester out again outside the womb
0: well you're talking about uh, physical birth I'm more talking about you know emotional uh, points of view from the aspect of a deer the deer's able to it's born ready to go it's born with one mission in life to be a deer humans are born with the ability to make their own choice and to make decisions later on down the line that other animals are not factored it's in.
1: physical birth, but it also pertains to the large size of the cranium which is unique to humans we have a much larger head than animals do and it's for the, and th- that's the reason it, it is our brains specifically which when you're ta- when you're taking out you know the metaphysical and other aspects of it which give us the unique uh, human quailia uh, yeah. as uh, we we don't understand what it's like to be a bat just like uh, you and just like that we do not understand the qualia of different senses
0: well we don't understand necessarily what it's like to be a bat i would also argue that we don't need to you know it's important to note that the development of any type of ai project is not simply the information that we're giving it, it's also the generation of new information as well. You know, and That's one of the main characteristics of utilizing something like ChatGPT for your questions and answers, is so that it can generate something that you otherwise would not have known or been able to figure out very easily. However, the uh, uh, human aspect, the human element of any type of interaction is something that I think we would never want to lose in any aspect because it gives us a certain sense of connectivity, And, you know, emotional stability when we're able to reach out to somebody. Just imagine you're calling a credit card company for, you know, a question on your balance. And the first thing you're prompted with is, do you want to use an AI to answer all of your questions? Mm -hmm. And most people in most cases are going to answer no. Now, obviously, there might be factors such as wait time on live calls. So in that case, you might if there's a quick question that the AI is able to easily answer, you might choose that option. But in most cases, if you're trying to have a debate with somebody about a transaction which wasn't yours, then you're going to more focus on the live conversation part. That way you can convince the person on the phone that this indeed wasn't me, and therefore I shouldn't be charged this. Right.
1: And our ability, it, you kind of are... Uh, are playing into uh, one aspect of human cog- cognition which is unique. And this is our busy ability to make casual inferences, ability to understand the cause and effect relationships and being able to predict future events based on past experiences, not just that, but also to tie in random events such as tying, you know, which you may have experienced yesterday, you know, something weird and interesting. And then being able to f- to tie that into something which is completely unrelated would be something which is uniquely human. Because uh an AI or any other such computational device has a very disciplined and narrow skill set. And it we cannot exactly, at least yet, train an AI for quirkiness in that way. And that is part of what makes us, again, human.
0: Well, any data set is going to look at variables that are similar. So it's going to take one field that is related and it- Find any other data set that has that same field uh, filled in exactly the same way.
1: Yes, but what about taking ideas which are dissimilar and adding that, and then creating a new inference from that? And that is one hallmark of you know many of the most creative and genius uh, human creators.
0: I understand, and that's really one reason I would think that the AI is not able to you know necessarily overtake humans in the long term. It, if it, indeed AI does end up taking uh, over the human, I guess, answers that we want in the long term, it takes over the, the call centers and it's slowly making its way into everyday life, we're still going to have certain aspects I think are going to undeniably n- need human input. You know, even if you remove all robots or all humans from a factory you're still going to need somebody to maintain the robots and fix them if there's downtime and even if you have robots that automatically fix themselves and find and call other robots undeniably you're going to have a certain amount of repair that's needed that will have human intervention and human input
1: so you are essentially positing that no matter what uh, jobs are taken over by ai would would essentially result in new jobs being created in the way that the last uh, t- technological uh, revolutions have uh, done
0: exactly so. and you know think of you know the movie wally have you ever watched wally before
1: can't say that i have yeah
0: so wally is a it's an episode from disney from many years ago already probably 15 years ago that it was a it's a full two hour movie and it's basically fa- focused on how the society had moved to a point where robots were um, taking over everything. So the robot was completing the trash. The robot was you know building a certain lifestyle for everyone. You know all you had to do was sit in your chair. You could drink and eat all day free of charge, and the robot would make the food generate it. All you had to do was press a button, and the robot would give you more food. And they shipped everybody off to space that way they can clean up the planet because they had gotten to a certain point where there was garbage everywhere so who was cleaning up the planet robots and after you know many hundreds of years of having this space station where every all the humans were on and the only people on earth were robots all the robots had basically withered out and died out they had stopped maintaining the the earth they had you know they were basically garbage cleanup robots and they had stopped cleaning up the garbage because they had all failed and died in some way whether it was due to weather or whether their lifespan had been you know just natural entropy i guess yeah exactly so there was a certain point where the spaces had to come back and they had to go ahead and start reliving again and because everybody had been sitting in their chairs they had to relearn how to walk again which is actually funny to see in the movie when they animated it
1: yeah, but it's a fascinating concept and leaves a lot to think about. But even like the whole uh, the whole comparison between humans and uh, AI could be very very short sighted because in the Victorian times, uh, this is uh, an idea posited by Yvonne Harari uh, that. People compared the human brain and the human mind to a steam engine because that was the most advanced technology on the time of the time and that's why we say about somebody who is a bit crazy they have a loose valve or oh I need to blow off some steam because these are steam engine terms which have from a locomotive which have kind of translated into human language because we have thought that the human that we compared the human uh, la- the human brain to uh steam engines because that was the most advanced thing of the, uh, technology of the time, but in reality we are much more complex than that, and now we are comparing the human brain to algorithms and artificial intelligence, while in reality we could be so much more complex than that and we are just simply uh, redu- reducing our abilities to the most advanced technology on the time. In fact, there is an idea, it's a, it's a paper from the 70s, I believe, or the 80s, but it's a fascinating one which really has stuck with me, and there is a quantum nature to uh, synaptic transmission. So. In the brain, uh, one neuron has to uh, interact with another by sending out a, br- a message, which uh, then tells the other one, uh, okay, you, neuron A says to neuron B, you have to fire. And there is, and then neuron B would then gi- give over that message to, to neuron C through a whole detailed process, which I'm not going to go into right now. But there is a certain variability where it's not 100% guaranteed that neuron A will let neuron B fire. And I mean, there is, uh, again, I'm very much overgeneralizing over here uh, because there are ways in which uh, uh, synaptic processes get strengthened and get weakened and that's how habits are formed, etc. But uh, fundamentally there is a certain probability of it happening or not happening and there is an idea that this probability of it happening or not happening is where the interface of free will actually exists. And this is again, something which is unique to humans, which some people do disagree with and say that free will is not something which is in existence, but uh, there is some evidence to say, and in my opinion, very compelling evidence that free will does exist. And that is fundamentally what makes us human rather than ability to think.
0: Definitely. I think that's really what makes human cognition uh, unique as well, because in the process where we are perceiving and understanding everything around us, you know, that's something the AI is not able to do. It's able to factor in the different data points, but it's not able to consider all the possibilities um, that the human is able to feel, see, touch, hear um, all at the same time. You know, the human's understanding to use natural language, which although some AIs obviously are now able to do and generate um, information using hu- natural language, this allows us to communicate and convey complex ideas as well as abstract concepts. And you know, obviously that's something that makes Chat GPT very unique, where it's able to incorporate a lot of these functions in a day-to-day life by utilizing the AI information. However, our ability to make casual inferences and understanding both the cause and effect relationships and also being able to predict future events based on past experiences, that's going to be something that the AI is not necessarily able to do just simply from data sets themselves. It's also going to have to factor in other points that at the moment at least are not currently considered. You know, let's say for example that you wanted to predict the weather. A lot of people start to feel in their bones some change in the weather if there's a lot of humidity and the like. AI are not necessarily able to uh, predict with any type of accuracy that there might be a rainstorm in the future, simply due to the um, amount of humidity in the air um, as of right now. However, it might factor in, you know, what it was yesterday versus today, and based on past experience, a fifty percent increase in humidity might predict might be might cause rain. People are actually able to, with very high certainty, able to tell you if it's supposed to rain in the next twenty four hours, simply because they feel in their bones an extreme change in humanity that even if it's measurable are not able to you know, necessarily be factored into the end results. And humans as well possess a lot of cognitive abilities such as, you know, consciousness and self-awareness that allow us to reflect on our own mental status and process um, that's going on at the moment. You know, we have a personal meditation time. A lot of people take time away from technology and work in order to focus on themselves, you know, self meditation through even yoga or just introspection in, on a monthly, weekly, daily basis, you're able to, you know, further deepen your understanding of everything in life, everything that you've learned up until now. You can intensely focus on a specific aspect that, although the AI is able to focus on information and get more data. It's not able to um, understand it as much as a human might be able to just by having those own self introspection time periods and you know revisiting previous events over and over again.
1: But I'll go even further and say that, yes, these things exist, but it's fundamentally the free will which makes a human unique and makes us, again, human, which uh, an animal does not have free will and neither does an AI. And uh, AIs are arguably to some extent more intelligent, uh, intelligent than us and you m- m- and animals are to some extent more in, I guess, a visceral sense, emotional than us because they are just fundamentally driven by their basic needs to do whatever they need to do, be it eat, sleep, capitulate, etc. But we are able to synthesize both of, both of these things and then decide what we want to do right now. And do we want to take this information? Do we want to reject it? Do we want to uh, fundamentally... Uh, go to our animal selves and become our animal selves. And this ties into our next uh, talking point very well, which is what does Judaism have to say about the importance of humans and humanity and how does this whole concept play into it? Now, uh, before we start this whole topic, I want to discuss one of my favorite ideas when it comes to this whole idea, and that is that in Genesis, in Genesis, uh, it, it uses a plural for uh, God, God say, when God says, let us create man, he uses a plural form. Why does he say, let us create man? Uh, which is a very uh, strange wording for the topic. So what the Shlach Kodesh says is that the reason why he says, let us, make man, is God in his infinity constricted himself to some extent in order to create uh, free will, in which we could operate, and that ties into this idea of Tzalim tselemo- Elohim, which all humans possess a Tselem Elohim, which is a divine image, an image of God, and that's how we are created, where all humans are fundamentally equal and have an inherent value and dignity, and we all, and that's our shared humanity, which is the basis of our moral obligation to one another, and furthermore, it's the basis of our uni- uh, where we have uh, specific qualities and characteristics that reflect the nature and attributes uh, attributes of God. And this is often interpreted to mean that humans possess a unique spiritual dimension and this ability to reason and make moral choices uh, and to see something where logically it makes sense to do something, even if it may be something which is evil, we are, are able to choose good. Over this evil, and we are able to choose to hold ourselves back right. when our natural inc- inclinations. I think that
0: goes back towards you know the, the trolley uh, example that we discussed briefly earlier as well. You know, even though logically the trolley question is normally going to factor in one versus five, Mm -hmm. and even if it considers other data points such as including, you know, if you're a relative or if you know the person for a long time or if you don't know these people, even if the data set from an AI is able to generate that, human choice I think is uh, certainly going to be an extremely important uh, factor when making a lot of these decisions and that's really what gives you know humans a, a unique role and purpose in the world is by interpreting interpreting other you know factors when it comes to making a decision you know they might include a spiritual dimension um, it might also include the moral, you know, dimensions that you discussed a moment ago. You know, making a choice and determining if it's a moral versus immoral. An AI might determine that because somebody killed somebody else, they also deserve to die. Whereas a human is able to factor in and say, "Well, this person had a legitimate excuse." I'm not saying any murders or anything like that are, you know, legitimate, but uh, a human choice, a human decision, is able to factor in any moral consequences a little bit more severely. Now, that might also come with a factor of if the human is able to make those decisions, they might also release people who are, you know, in a perfect society, supposed to have been, you know, expunded because of what they've done. But the human is also able to make those uh, determinations Mm -hmm. and, you know, decide who they want to. I forget what the term is, but, you know, the president's able to pardon. That's the that's the term I'm thinking of. You know, the human is able to pardon somebody for certain, you know, actions that were done and therefore the consequences of those actions might not necessarily be as devastating for one person as they otherwise would be for another simply due to the human variable that's being take, that's taking place. You know, that's one of the reasons that a lot of people say that the the president of the United States is, you know, considered uh, very similarly to a a king or a queen of a monarchy because the president's able to um able to pardon somebody a lot of people uh, deem that very similar to uh, a king or a queen who's able to provide the death penalty so while they're not necessarily equal in some rights they're very similar in terms of the amount of power that the person holds
1: how does this tie into the whole topic from
0: yeah with regards to the the choice and uh, um, the importance of humans overall you know this is the fact that you're able to make those decisions right. inherently so, so you, is what makes you different. So you're
1: essentially saying that some people are also capable of a higher morality, where they're able to decide mm-hmm. on moral issues, even when it sometimes doesn't make sense. And there's sometimes...
0: Correct. Correct. You know, the president's able to uh, to pardon somebody simply because he likes them or because he feels that they might, be, uh, might contribute to society in a different way. You know, in some cases, when it comes to... You know, let's just talk about uh, the Old Testament for a minute, the Torah, the there are certain cases when it comes to um, the different prophets that, that are discussed where, you know, God determined that this person was supposed to live a certain amount and extended, you know, King David, he extended the life of, of the person, um, simply because he saw that they were going to, they were possible uh, to, um, they they possibly were able to get, uh, have an improved life by being able to survive longer than a few weeks.
1: This does tie into, there is a Gemara uh, in Talmud, in uh, the tractate Sanhedrin. There is a uh, idea which is discussed in, uh, where it kind of juxtaposes the idea of justice which is done by a king and juxt- and the idea of justice which is done by a judicial court uh, based in, uh, best in, and what uh, one of the authorities discuss over it is the idea that if a young child who is hungry goes and steals bread in order to feed herself, by the judicial court they are liable for paying um uh, to pay for the these damages done. But a king is able to go uh, extrajudicially and decide for themselves what they see as justice, and they don't need to follow the letter of the law. And the reason is precisely in this case where they see that what is just is to some extent more is not to go by the letter of the law but to go uh, le resident, to go beyond the letter of the law and to say okay this child stole and yes it's not okay but at the same time she should have the bread
0: definitely and when with regards to the uh, talmud stating that you know it's ultimately up to the court's decision about that you know that's really where the human and moral aspect you know comes into play you know, in this case, the 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 judge is going to be the one who decides um, what they um, what what they end up ruling. Um, whereas the AI algorithm, for example, is going to be uh, is going to make more of a hard decision factor. You know, while you can still input variables such as if it's a child, then make certain decisions this way, or if the person is starving, make certain decisions that way. The, at the end of the day, the human's able to, you know, override all of those aspects just simply because we have that free choice. The AI, if you allow the AI to override any of these variables that you give it to just based on its own decision, the only way it's able to do that is by factoring in even more variables, which is almost impossible or you know, I would say even totally impossible for it to do accurately.
1: So essentially what we're taking away from this whole conversation is that free will as it pertains to morality is the very difference between us and artificial intelligence in that this is what gives us the intelligence which is non-artificial and which is organic in that we are able to actually choose uh, because of Ad Selam because we are imbued with this heavenly morality the diff- to do good. Okay. And to choose life, and,
0: and, and when it comes to being able to make those choices, you know, that's you know something that we can include and say that humans really are, you know, an image of God because we're able to make those choices between determining life and death in a certain aspect. You know, whether you're able to pardon somebody or not, that may be more of a, a societal uh, a point of view. But overall, when it comes to you know giving humanity the ability to be responsible and to care for and improve the world and you know, even just basic elements of human life, you know, that's really uh, something that we are charged with in using the knowledge and abilities that God made us to, it gave us to make the world a better place. Mm, you know, that's really how you know, making sure that you're following the, the commandments that the, that the Torah provides and uh, keeping everything on track from a moral perspective is really very important to ensuring those fundamentals are are accurate and complete as well. Right beautiful excellent well thank you guys so much for listening to this week's podcast of the brood awakenings uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode and found it very helpful and informative we'd like to give a shout out to this week's sponsor label schwartz photography you can find them at label.com and if you have any questions comments or feedback Could we'd please call it that? You. l-a-i-b-e-l label.com now um, if you have any questions uh, regarding this podcast or about any future podcast you can reach us in the comments section or by leaving a review on your favorite podcast app. Don't forget to subscribe. Just stay up to date on all of our future episodes. And until next time.